she stopped talking to me. I've been your daughter for 42 years. How do you just stop talking to me? Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 131, and I took a step back away from the NPE world last month and just focused on my family for a while. Every so often, I find that I need to take a take a little break from thinking about the family dynamics, and I started to miss community. And I started to miss a little bit of the literature as well and the Facebook forums. So now that I've started season four, I am back to reading the blogs and reading the books, and I just wanted to share a couple resources that I am reading right now. Uh, Let's see here. This morning, I was reading an NPE blog on npeguide.com, and this has many articles and resources, and it's just some really nice articles and, and blog postings on kind of some of the some of the things that I've been going through and, and the feelings that I have experienced in my NPE story. So I wanted to share npeguide.com if you ever want to read a good blog. I'm also reopening Libby Copeland's book called, let's see, it's called The Lost Family. Libby Copeland is not an NPE or herself, but she writes about a few NPE experiences and gives many detailed information on the DNA testing sites, including Ancestry, which she went and visited, as well as the 23andMe headquarters. And it was, it's an interesting read. And so I've been kind of diving back into the world and starting to talk with other NPEs again. And on this podcast, I do not, for the most part, bring on experts. I just bring on normal people that are NPEs, and they share what it's been like for them. But sometimes I do run into people that are authors or journalists or speakers. If you want to be on the show and you are an NPE, feel free to email npestories at gmail.com. Some people have been disappointed that the wait list is about 50 people long right now, but I will add you to the wait list if you want to. And if you're patient, (laughs) don't mind the wait. But there are many other podcasts, NPE podcasts, that you can contact as well. Just off the top of my head, I can think of Missing Pieces, um, NPE Life. There is uh, Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. Let's see here. DNA Surprises, Cut Off Jeans, Family Secrets. I know I'm missing some of my other friends' podcasts. I will throw them in maybe next week. But today we are going to listen to an NPE share her story. And we are going to be speaking with Joy. Hi, Joy. Are you there? 
Hi. So nice to talk to you today. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and you have your baby napping right now, and I have my three kids uh, somewhat entertained. So we'll see how long we're able to record today. Yeah. All right, Miss Joy, we're going to listen to your story today. So I don't know if you've heard the podcast, but normally we start with listening to your family of origin and whatever you're comfortable sharing, and we kind of get an idea of your family dynamics. Okay. I have two siblings, and I grew up in a single mom household for the most part. I'm the oldest. And it was always fun growing up to have the, the the siblings there to play with. And we didn't really miss the fact that there was not a consistent father figure. You know, we had grandma, we had cousins, we had, you know, we had lots of people. We had summer vacations, you know, so we didn't really miss that there wasn't a consistent father we we did end up having several stepfathers, but none of you know most of them were short lived, and um, and I always thought that my father was the man I was told was my father. I remember, and I don't know how old I was, but my sister and I were. In our original birthplace city, we were visiting some relatives and we were told that we were going to be going to the zoo with this this guy, you know, and um, I can't remember if I had met him before, but I was told that this this guy is your dad. I'm like, oh, okay. So we go, we go to the zoo. At the zoo, there was also another child with us that later... I was like, okay, I guess that must be his other kid. I was so confused by it all. And so that's one of the memories that stands out to me with the the man I thought was my birth father. And then after that, I saw him once. He came to the door. I don't know. It might have been Christmas. might have been my birthday. He stayed for a few, few minutes and he was gone. And then 40 years went by and here I am at 42. You know, I never heard from him again. And I always thought that was totally, totally messed up and um, didn't really understand. And so over, over the years, I have thought about contacting him, had, you know, in my head made him out to be this horrible guy, you know, like, how can you leave your kids? And that is what sort of sent me through the story of what what we're here to talk about. You know, I was had written articles about him. I talked to people about my experience with having an absentee father. And then one day, my mom gave me a DNA test. This is like how it all begins. She gave me one of those tests for a gift. And now I think, do not give people this these tests as a gift. Do not do it. <laughs> not a good idea. And so she gave it to me as a gift. And I never opened it. And then the pandemic came. I was like, you know what? I don't have anything better to do. And so I sent the information in. You know, it's, you know, the, you 
put your DNA in the tube, you send it off, and it come, and then something, you know, a couple weeks later, you get an email saying these are your results. I opened it, and at the height of the pandemic, I only thing I was looking for was heritage. I was just looking for where am I from exactly in in the whole entire globe, you know? And so I wasn't looking for a dad or relatives. I was looking to know more about his side of the family. I thought I already knew who he was. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm 40% this and 20% what? I'm from Ireland? Like, you know, all these different things that were there. And that was it. You know, I screenshot that information to my mom, my siblings, and we all thought it was very interesting. And we, and that was that. Like two years later, we're still in the pandemic. Like two years later, uh, I'm sitting at home and um you know, working from home and I get an email that says you have new DNA relatives. Like I ignore all those emails all the time. And I don't know why I didn't ignore this one. I don't know why I didn't ignore this one. I almost feel like I should have, but I, something told me not to ignore it. And I clicked on it. That was the beginning of like the worst summer ever. This was last summer that I clicked on that email and uh, the email said, you know, you have a DNA match. And, of course, made the mistake of opening it. And it said that it had a 50%, you know, DNA match for me. I'm like, what? wait a minute, stop. You know, <laughs> uh, is this the guy that I know? And so I'm clicking through, like, okay, yeah. So I'm clicking through the information thinking I know I know obviously who this is. It's uh, clicking through the information. I'm like, oh no, oh no, it's not him. It's not the guy that I was told for 40 years is my father. This is somebody else completely. I have no idea who this person is, you know? And so um, there was no picture. There was just a name and, um, and his sort of profile that I could click on and read a little bit. And so then I went down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out, like, could this information be wrong? You know, that's the first thing you start thinking that the DNA company got it wrong. They don't know what they're doing. You know, and so I contacted the company and was like, look, I, I know whom I've been told who my father is. This guy, no one even knows him. And could there be a reason this could be wrong? They're like, no. Like, essentially, that was the bottom line. You know, I'm sure they've been asked the question a million times over, and that's their response to everyone. No, you know, there's no mistakes. The mistake is basically in some sort of versions of stories you've been told. You know, this is basically what I got from what they said. I'm like, okay, so it's true. All right. You know, so then I start, I didn't tell anyone, you know, I start looking at his entire tree, 12 siblings, and I had always thought it would be cool to have a big family. We had a very small family. I was like, what? This guy has 12 siblings or 11 siblings. There's 12 of them. He's got, there are all these kids, you know. So I started, I mean, the tree, his tree was enormous. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wow. And after doing a lot of more sleuthing, 
I fig found out that he I found out that he had a father who was in his 90s, like closing in on 100 years old. And so that, above anything, was my reason for wanting to reach out to him. I'm like, oh my, if I have a almost 100-year-old grandfather, he could, anything could happen any day. It's the pandemic. Like, oh my God, okay, I need to meet these people. Like, anything could happen. But there was no one to tell at that portion because my sister was on vacation and I couldn't tell her, I couldn't get any advice. Now, side note here, my sister, who we always thought um, she and I were 100% siblings, we didn't find out that we were half siblings until in our adulthood. Similar to this situation, the, the biggest difference is that her biological father came looking for her. He found her and out mm. came the story about how the guy that we thought was both of our fathers was only the father to me and she had another dad. And now here we are, you know, 10 years later with another story that the father that we thought was my father that we decided is also not my father either. You know, mm. and so it's just so complicated. And so since she had a already had a background of dealing with my mom with her situation. I wanted to talk to her before I talked to my mom. And so I waited for her to come back from vacation. I talked to her and she's like, oh my God, Joy, like, I can't even believe this. I can't even believe this. You got to know more. You got to know more before you go talk to mom. So we both started looking at everything we could. You know, you go down this rabbit hole and you and it's like you almost can't stop. You're looking on Google. You're looking on Facebook. You're looking in the old white pages. You're looking at I looked at property data. I was trying to locate where he lived at this point, not because I thought maybe I should send him a letter. You know, I'm trying to find his email. I ended up figuring out that he had a daughter and she's well known wherever in the city where she is. And so it wasn't hard to find contact information for her. That was very easy. And so I also ended up finding a picture of the home where he grew up in, the home where he stays now. I had the address. I had all of this info before I went to my mom. Uh, Normally, I don't know if people can find that much info, but um, I'm very good at finding stuff. Armed with all this information, and I had not reached out to him or the daughter yet, I went to my mom first. So that was a disaster. That was a disaster. Talking to my mom, it was just a disaster, you know? And she brought my brother in. I don't know if she had an inkling of what I wanted to talk about. I don't know. But my my other sibling was there as a buffer, and my sister was there to help me. And I didn't understand why my other sibling was there because it had nothing to do with him. But he was there. We were all there. And I just sort of came out with it that I, you know, took the test that you gave me. I, I <laughs> made sure to emphasize that. Remember that DNA test you gave me as a, you gave me as a gift? Remember that? Yeah, so I got some results from it. Do you know a person by this name? 
Because, you know, by then I had the first name and the last name. Do you know this person? I also had a picture by then, a yearbook picture. No, that was my mom. No, I, what? I don't know anybody by that name. Really? Hmm. Can I show you a picture? Showed her the picture. Oh, no, I've never seen this person a day in my life. And so my sister and I are sitting there just so stunned. Like, okay, here we go. Here we go with this. This is about to be one lie after the next. And I was like, well, this DNA um, company says that he's my biological father. Like, we're not going to beat around the bush. That's what it says. Uh, so I told you who's your biological father. You know who that is. According to these results, that's not him. This is the guy right here. No. So are, are you saying that I'm lying to you? Um, No. I'm, I'm not saying that. So you're calling me a liar. So you're saying I don't remember what happened to me when I was 20 years old. So you're saying that I'm senile, you know, so she starts rolling out all of these derogatory things that I haven't said, you know, I haven't said any of these things about her. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying this is what the information says. Well, it's just it's it's not true. They got it wrong. No, like DNA, the DNA. And by that time, I had already been on the the MPE Facebook group and I had read so many people's stories and I'm like, oh, this sounds exactly what people are talking about, you know? And so I was like, no, the DNA is the DNA and this is science and you can't refute science. This is what it says. They got it wrong. And my brother piped in my brother piped in to say that these companies get this information wrong all the time, you know, and, you know, for all we know, this person that they found could be somebody, they could just be looking at a group of people in the city where, where you were born and that maybe someone in that neighborhood is your dad. And we were all part of the same neighborhood. So maybe that's what the DNA is saying. It's pinpointing someone in the neighborhood. <laughs> like, look, this, no, this is not a village in the middle of nowhere where, you know, there's that kind of overlap. That's not what's happening here. And so I um, asked them, you know, I'm talking to my brother saying that, that can't be true. That's not the way DNA works. He's like, well, you know, obviously something's wrong. You need to contact them again and you need to ask them, you know, to rerun this or something. I'm like, look, they're not going to rerun this. This happens all the time. This is not, this is not a lie. My mom at that point was just so incensed. She's so mad at me, so mad at my sister that all kinds of things that were not very nice. And then, you know, one of the things that stands out that she said was that, um, so I must be calling her hussy. I must be saying she doesn't remember who she had sex with. So what are you trying to say about me? All these kind of things, which I was saying none of those things. And I was like, well, maybe since it was so long ago, um, maybe there's possibility that maybe you maybe don't remember. I know who I had sex with, you know, so she's just mad. And so 
we left with no answers, no resolution. And I decided at that point, I wasn't going to talk to her again about it. It was just, I'm just done with it. I wasn't done with trying to figure out what was, what, what was going on. She stopped talking to me. I've been your daughter for 42 years. How do you just stop talking to me? Because I'm bringing information to you that you don't like or you don't agree with. I'll say this. It's not that she stopped talking to me. I was never, she was never the very communicative check on my kids type. She never was that way, especially with me being the oldest. I'd go away to school. I wouldn't hear from people forever. You know, I went to school, away to school for college and hear from people. I lived all over the U.S., didn't hear from anybody. You know, and so it's not unusual for her, for me to not hear from her. What is unusual is for her to not hear from me. That's what's unusual. And so I wasn't doing that. And so because I wasn't doing that, it amplified that she wasn't talking to me. It amplified to her that she wasn't talking to me. And so she would randomly send me these long text messages saying how hurt she was, that she can't believe I'm trying to destroy her. Why does she even care about this? Or why do I even care about this? That information is false. This is so hurtful to me and just a lot of focusing on herself. No focus on, I just got hit with the super whammy. (laughs) No one seems to care about that except for my sister. I mean, some very, very damaging things were said in those text messages to me and and I just thought, does she forget who I am? Like, I'm the, the same daughter I've always been. Very nice, very helpful. You know, give anything to anybody. You know, always wanting people stuff. Like, so I just didn't understand why all of a sudden I was the villain. And in one conversation, one conversation after a series of text messages where I was like, look, I cannot talk to you about this anymore. We don't agree. You, we don't. I don't know what's going on with you, but we don't agree. And the DNA is the DNA, and I can't keep going over this again with you. She called. And normally, you know, you don't ignore your mom's calls no matter what's going on. So I, I picked up the phone. Like, that was the worst thing I, sh- I could have done. I should not have picked up the phone. Because then it was a screaming match. Her screaming at the top of her lungs about how I am trying to destroy her, that I am putting a knife in her heart, that she can't believe what kind of person I am. Like, just, just, just so crazy. And I was just thinking, but I didn't do anything. You know, like, this actually happened to me. I didn't do anything. Another side note, her reaction is not not shocking. Her reaction is not completely shocking. Long story short, I was sexually assaulted when I was a child. After I gave her that information, it was the same sort of, it was the same sort of reaction as this reaction last summer. 
what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, and it was a family member, are you trying to destroy the family? What do you expect me to do? That was her reaction when I was a kid. Fast forward till I'm 42. That was a similar reaction last summer. So uh, not surprising, but it's still like, like these are things happening to me. I didn't do anything. And so her reactions were always about how it was affecting her, how it, how this was something that I was doing to her, or that I was doing to the family. Um, and so I just decided, look, I have too much going on. I can't, I'm not going to talk to you about this anymore. If we can't have a civil conversation, then, then that's that, you know? And I went on about what I was trying to do, which I was in the middle of an adoption process, which is partly why adoption of a child, which is partly why it was super important for me to figure out this DNA story that I had. I did not want to adopt a child and, and sort, of, sort of not have my head clear on how I felt about misparentage, you know, about thinking someone was your father, not knowing, coming up with some DNA. Like all these things happen to adoptees too like a lot, like all of a sudden they find out their parents are not their parents, you know? And I'm like, okay, I don't want to go into my adoption with this kind of thing hanging up over my head. Uh, I need to get to some sort of resolution if I can. Some weeks went by, I contacted, I had already contacted the, the gentleman and he never reached back out to me. I sent him an email. I sent him something through the through the DNA website portal. I sent him a Facebook message, nothing, no response. But he's like, you know, 70 something. So I'm not, wasn't really surprised. You know, he's like, you know, he's not in the same generation of looking at your phone every five seconds. And so finally I reached out to his daughter. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, AKA my half sister. So I reached out to her through her work email that was on her website and told her who I was. And um, I didn't call her, even though her phone number was there. And that night, whatever night that was, I don't remember, she emailed me back. I was shocked. She emailed me back and said she was, you know, basically, I'd like archive the messages or I'd bring them up right now. Cause I was like, I can't read these things anymore. But my memory, my memory serves me right. She was basically saying her father's never, she's never heard anything like this. She's, she's his only child. You know, um, this must be some kind of mistake. I will put you in touch with, I will let my father know. And if he wants to contact you, you know, he will, maybe, maybe you can find some resolution, you know, peace and blessings or something to that, something to that effect. She was done with it. Like what? Like you find out you have a sister and your peace and blessings me and you're done. Like this is so like, okay. (laughs) So I did not expect him to call. I gave her my phone number. He called the very night that I emailed her. He called at 10 o'clock at night. I'm trying to go to I'm trying to go to sleep. It's 10 o'clock at night. Phone rings from random number in this city. I know the, the area codes because I used to live there. And so um, I picked up the phone. And he says, and this is so, 
you know, I know this rarely happens for situations like this, where you just get a call from, from the father, like so rare. Right. And so he calls me and he's like, so I hear you've been looking for me. I'm like, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, I have. Well, well, what do you want? You know, just so sort of gruff and like abrasive, like on the defense. Try not to take offense to him being gruff because I don't know what his daughter told him. I don't know what he knows. And I don't know if this is shocking information or not. I said, well, you remember you took a DNA test. There's an air of suspicion, I think, when the family, the the other family reaches out to you. They're trying to figure out how do you know them and where from, you know? So, and the fact that I already knew he took a DNA test sounded, could sound suspicious too. But I said, you know, you took a DNA test and sent it to this company. I took a DNA test and sent it to the same company and they came with results that were related. And it says we're fifty percent match. Now I didn't say you're my biological father. I think that would have been too much to like <laughs> stomach. I just said to him, "It says we're fifty percent match." Uh huh. Well, okay. So what does that mean? Well, it it means that it's indicating that you're my biological father. Huh? Mm mm. No. Well, that's what the test says. And how are you getting this information? From the website. Um, okay, so, I mean, so where's your mama from? The same city you are. Nearly the same neighborhood. Hmm. Okay, well, how old are you? So it was a lot of pelting me with questions. How old are you? Told him how old I was. How old was your mama back then? Told him how old she was. And I said to him, that would have made you approximately nine years older than her. You're nine years older than her. So you were much older than she was when you would have met her. She was 21. 20. 21 when she had me, which means she probably would have been 20 when she met you. And you were 29. So the fact that I had already pieced together the age difference, this and that. I don't know if that scared him, the fact that I pieced all that together and I knew this information without him saying boo-hoo, you know, but I told him the neighborhoods where they would have had to have met and I told him where she went to college and, you know, because he's like, you know, what neighborhood? You know, what's, what's the family? In this community where we are from, everybody freaking knows everybody. So this is not, this is, should not be sound unusual to either one of the parents, my mother or him. The fact that they, that somebody in that neighborhood, that they might have had some relations and maybe don't remember. It was a, it was a very sort of insular type of neighborhood. Everybody knew everybody. It was one high school, you know, one middle school, that kind of thing. So He's trying to figure out the year. And then he asked me to send some pictures to him. And so for a minute, I thought he was trying to be helpful. You know, he's 70 something years old, trying to recall 40 something years ago, even if he was being gruff with his uh, manner of getting the information. When he asked me what school, 
and what could I send him a picture, I started to think that he was really trying to piece together what may have happened that he might not remember. And so I felt positive about it. And so he's like, well, send me those pictures and I'm going to, I'm going to, um, uh, check in with some of my high school friends, some of my, you know, go check in with the people from the neighborhood and see if we can't all remember her, you know, cause I don't know who you're talking about. You know, he says, I was like, okay, all right, bye. And so we get off the phone and I don't hear from him for like forever. And so I reach back out to me and we talk again. And at this conversation, I'm like, oh no, he's crazy. You know, like in that, in the next conversation, he just starts to light into me. He says that he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know where I came up with this information. And by then I had also had a new DNA result come in. Guess, guess, guess who now I'm connected to? His brother's. It, it could connected and said they were my uncles. And so I had the additional information of that. And so he was just sort of, I don't know, if he was just flabbergasted at what was happening or he was trying to deflect. And because the thing that started to really bother me and made me think that something awkward is happening here, he kept asking me, what does my mom say? What did your mama say? What did your mama tell you about that term? What did she say? What did she say? Give me her number. I'll reach out to her. I'll talk to her. I'm like, oh, hold up. <laughs> like, I'm not giving you my mother's information. You already know who she is. I'm not giving you her information because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking there's a reason you don't have her contact information. I don't know what it is, but there's a reason she don't want to know you. There's a reason she hasn't reached out to you. There's a reason that I'm here. Maybe you didn't know I was here. There's a reason. So what kind of daughter would I be just giving out her information so he could talk to her? You know, air quotes. I don't know what that conversation would have been about. So I told him no. And he was like, well, who does your mama say is your father? I'm like, well, she said it's some other guy. But obviously it's not. It's you. And so we argued back and forth, back and forth. And finally, he was just like, well, you know. Um, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I don't know who she is. I never even heard. Nobody knows her. Lies. Everybody knows my family in this area. Nobody knows her. And um, I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, fine. So we hung up. So after that, I decided I wasn't going to talk to him anymore. I don't need that kind of stress. I was in a, the, a pro- very stressful adoption process. I don't need extra stress. And I had already... Figured out who he was. I got a sense of who he was. A liar. You know, someone who's either a liar or someone who doesn't want to believe uh, the truth. Uh, Someone who's a bit aggressive. And I reached back out to his daughter and I told her that um, what kind of happened in our second conversation. And I sent her screenshots, which I hadn't before, of all the connections, DNA connections. The way she responded was basically the same as the way he responded in a second phone call. And that was to tell me that she don't know what kind of what kind of thing I'm trying to pull here. You know, if my daddy told me that he doesn't know your mother and that's that. I'm like, you're 30 years old. You're 30 something years old. You should see the the lunacy of what he's saying. Like, you should be smart enough to look at these results and realize your dad is freaking lying to you. My daddy's never lied to me, you know, that kind of, I said, okay, all right. 
I'm done with these folks. I, you know, if you want to reach out to me, you want to have a civil conversation later, you have my information. Otherwise, let's not talk. And so I blocked him from my phone. I didn't block her. She can send me stuff if she wants, but I haven't heard from her. And so I haven't thought about this for nine months. Once I decided I wasn't going to talk to them anymore, they didn't want to know me for whatever reason. I just said, forget it. You know, I've done what I could do to try and resolve this and I'm done. Meanwhile, my mother still wasn't talking to me. And so, and so I'm like, this freaking sucks. You know, I'm trying to accomplish something in my personal life. Now I have this other thing that crops up. I could use my mom's help with the adoption process that I'm working through, but I can't really reach out to her because she's mad at me. I don't know. I just sort of moved on after that. I'm the kind of person who can place with the things that have happened in my life. I have to put things, You, I have to try to resolve them for myself, regardless of what the other person is doing, put them in a box and just move on. You know, because if, if I don't, what happened to me as a kid, what happened, this, this situation here, some of the other things that have happened to me, it would literally render me immobile. You know, like I wouldn't be able to move through my life. So I consider myself to be very resilient. I consider myself to be very practical, logistical. Um, and so I did what I could do. It didn't work out. Okay, fine. We're moving on. I'm not going to have a whole be upset about this for the next 60 years. But what it did also, what in the background was the original guy I thought was my father, right? Like he's still in the background, a guy that I've never heard from. And I felt some kind of way that I had been led to believe that this, this guy was an absentee father, when in fact, he wasn't the father at all. So I felt some kind of way about having said all those things throughout the years. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get back to him. You know, things you say when you're growing up. And the guy wasn't even my dad. And I, I just felt bad about that. And there's no way to resolve that because the man never contacted me after the visit so many years ago. And so that's not resolved. But I have to also put that aside because there are more important things that I had to to deal with. You know, I talked to my therapist. We we worked through a number of things. And I think the therapy was very important in me being able to just sort of maneuver through this without a whole lot of um without a whole lot of wounds. We were able to sort of put a you know, proverbial pin in it. And the thought is that if any time, you know, it's brought up that I just still tell my truth, you know, um, I can't do anything about anybody else's versions of this story. But, you know, I know the truth, the DNA doesn't lie, and I'm not going to turn myself into a, a lunatic you know, trying to think that maybe those DNA results are not correct. At some point, you know, in the middle of different therapy sessions, I started to feel a sense of detachment from myself. It's such a weird feeling when you don't 
know your original, you don't know where you came from. So you don't know, you don't know how to move, you know, inside of your life. You feel like a little bit of an imposter. You feel like you, um, you feel like you can't sort of function. And that was sort of what was happening to me in the middle of the therapy. And I just told her, you know, I felt so detached from my life and not really understanding. But we resolved all that, um, worked through it, and I moved on with my um, adoption. Eventually, I was matched with a birth mom in November, and that set the family on a new course a new course to work through and something awesome, you know, that was happening for the family. And so my mom started speaking to me again. Everyone focused on the new baby's arrival and no one has touched this. What happened? What ha- guess what happened? Last- Whatever that crazy story is. No one has touched what happened last summer uh, again. And, you know, it stays in the back of my mind. How can it not? Everything that's happened to my life stays in the back of my mind. But you have to find some way to deal with it and move forward. And I know the truth. You know, that's all I can I can focus on now. I think that just has to be enough. And I hear the resilience in your voice, just you sharing your story today. I know that feeling of just concentrating on on the children and what you can in the midst of all this, finding this shocking DNA discovery out, and then everyone somehow creating you to be the villain. I've had to do the same thing. I'm just concentrating on the kids, concentrating on my family. I I know what you're going through. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you just... you. You can't let these things destroy you. Like you have to use the trauma and this, it was a trauma. You know, you have to use these traumatic experiences as ways to positively build your life, you know, to grow from them. And then once that traumatic experience has happened and you're able to resolve it somewhat for yourself, then you may be able to help someone else who is going through something similar. So. Mm -hmm. And like you sharing your story today, just listening to other people that have gone through the same stuff is, um, to me, I find helpful. I mean, in no way, shape, or form of, is this therapy. This is just one NPE sharing their story with another, but telling the truth, living the truth, because DNA doesn't lie. Miss Joy, thank you for sharing where you're at today with your story. Well, thank you for letting me share. Um, it's been a year that I've known and I'm glad to share and I'm hopeful that it helps someone else out. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.